0: Hey, everybody, this is Issa Cozette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed but we're so glad you're here. And this week we have a very special guest coming live from the UK. One of my Obsidian Foundation family, the Marie Joy Williams poet, novelist, editor, tutor, brilliant soul and mind. And I'm just grateful to be able to connect with her. Tell people a little bit about yourself and you know what attracts you to write poetry.
1: Well, I'm just a working-class Black girl from Manchester, England. I started writing in a sort of community kind of way around the age of 17. I started at a Black community group in Manchester called Identity. And um, I write poetry. I write fiction. I'm I'm in the process of uh, writing a novel. I'm loving the short story at the moment. I also tutor writing. And uh, my mission statement, you know, for my own writing and Um, in teaching others. I think there are three things that are most important to me and they are um, well number one to tell and reveal unknown, misknown stories and that is you know obviously the black story, the black female story and the black British story. Um, It's also to encourage people to feel comfortable stepping into the centre of the stories, because I think so many times we have not been in stories or we've been at the edge of stories and we haven't felt comfortable really inhabiting that. And the third thing that I always try and uh, remember for myself and to teach other people is that we don't have to be perfect. You know, a piece of writing doesn't have to be perfect the first time you write it. Um, We don't have to be perfect as people. Um, You know, as Anne Lamott says, you know, perfection is the voice of the oppressor. So um, I'm really into black excellence, but I'm also into sort of giving yourself the space to make mistakes, to learn, you know, and move on and, um, you know, really uh, find what it is that you know you want to say my belief in some ways is as artists um, and I know that you know this because you're an obsidian fellow and a writer also is that in some ways all of us have you know maybe two or three central stories that we're really trying to tell and you know lots of poems that we write are really trying to distill that and tell that in a really clear way you know maybe coming from a different angle or adding another layer of revelation you know every time you sit down and write a poem you know I think if you're allowing the process to um, really have its way with you you know including wading through the uncertainty I think by the time you get to the end of a poem you've discovered something so I think in trying to maybe distill those two or three stories you know um, we just go forwards, we learn, we, 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 you know, we eschew perfection, and um, we just, you know, we, we, we're along for the ride. So I guess that's really what I'm about as a writer. And I think where I am at the moment in my journey also is, in terms of my personal um, ethos, is writing is really important, but um, I've, I've just made the decision to start living my dreams also, because I think that um, in terms of writing, um, I always sort of had it on a pedestal, um, especially my novel. I was always like, OK, when the novel is finished and it's out, I can do this and I can do that. and I can do that. Um, and so at the moment, I just decided to start living my dreams. So over lockdown, I got myself a guitar and taught myself to play guitar and sing. Um, and I, have you know, I've got a mic set up in my bedroom and, and I am really enjoying that. I'm really enjoying the fact that, you know, we can live life to its fullest and really enjoy writing too. So that's where I am at the moment. Um, and that's a little bit about me as a writer.
0: I think that's wonderful. And I love how, you know, you're in the discovery of telling and revealing you're opening to you're open to make mistakes and learn. And that is a part of the process. And I know a lot of my journey as like, you know, stepping into being a poet or being a like scholar or like practicing, you know my podcast like all of this I had to learn how to make mistakes and um many times I didn't start I wouldn't write certain poems or any or I wouldn't you know kind of show up to the page as my full self because I was scared but that's what I really loved about being in Obsidian was just giving the time right? To be in community with other Black writers who are also, like you said, telling many stories because we come from many places that shape us. Um, it's important, like you said, even in that waiting into that uncertainty, because as we keep writing, as we keep, um, you know, practicing, as we keep teaching ourselves new things, as we keep exploring our skills, you know, we just only get better. So um, I'm interested in knowing, like, through the pandemic, through, you know, these fellowships, how they've been able to pour into you and influence your writing process. And especially, you know, you said you're working on your second collection. How's that coming along and how is that influencing your work?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great subject. I think, you know, what I really must want to say to people before I go into this is that it's only really just started happening for me in the last couple of years. Um, I've been trying to, um, you know, write for a long time and I've been writing poems and so forth and sending them off and um, yeah it's literally just happened in the last couple of years, Um, maybe just following my MA actually where I, you know, I've got to a level in my writing um, that perhaps has been able to attract a bit more success also, possibly because I think once you get to that sort of um, level of study you're writing, you start to realise that rejection actually is a badge of honour. And it's just something <laughs> that you have to get through, you know. So I, I have had these opportunities of these wonderful fellowships and, you know, th- this has come, you know, after a few applications. And uh, you talked about the obsidian, you know, the retreat. I mean, that for me was you know, a game changer in terms of my practice, because I know that every day we had like a whole week and every day we had to like turn in a poem at 10 o'clock. And I remember like the first poem I wrote was a bit like, oh, I'm going to explore a black topic here. And it was a little bit reflowing and I just thought right they just want us to get something in and then when I looked at when I fellowship with everyone in my group and I saw like the standard as well I was like okay these people are serious you know that this is like we have to really bring it so you know the next day I really upped my game sometimes I was staying up in the early hours of the morning but the opportunity to really mix with like yeah, black excellence and people that are really just going for this high standard of writing was really amazing and so that's been one way you know that I generated work. We talked as well I think one of the things that I mentioned during that opening circle was Love After Love by Derek Walcott which for me has been a really important poem and that's the poem that talks about the time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's Welcome, I'm gonna skip a bit, but it says, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes, peel your own image from the mirror, sit and feast on your life. And I think for me, um, that week was really, um, you know, great in terms of just being in a place where I could explore aspects of my roots. Um, aspects of other things. But this coming to myself and being able to be authentic in my writing, you know, was really important. And, you know, the thing with Black excellence is it's not always welcome everywhere. Um, I think sometimes it can be greeted with a little bit of suspicion or and, and so forth. And, and, and that was just a wonderful place to be. The Hawthornden Fellowship was a completely different thing. The Hawthornden Fellowship takes place in a, a castle in Scotland, which is amazing. You get to go there for a month and work on a project. So I got to um, go there and work on my second collection. And you're with, uh, you know, five or six other writers. It's really interesting because actually, although I was the only black writer there, you know, you have other writers. There was a writer from France there was another writer from Germany there's a Scottish writer so there's quite a you know a wide kind of range of people and it's quite a middle-class environment as well so you know for me you know a black sort of working class girl from Manchester as well it was interesting in terms of you know um, acclimatizing to the kind of there is a kind of class side to writing, a social side. And I think for me, that was as important as getting the writing done in the days, you know, in the evening, sort of relating to people and being that finding yourself as the only black person in the room, you know, holding your own and... Uh, you know, learning to flow with that, you know, because I have to say, when I did my MA, I found that much harder because I did my MA in my home city, Manchester, which is very, very multicultural. And um, so I had, you know, just thought, right, great, I'm gonna just walk in and things will be fine. And then I realized again that, you know, academia is quite, you know, a white space. So fitting into that, being articulate in that, uh, being able to speak up and, and accepting some of the repercussions from that was a real challenge. So I think fellowships and and residencies are really important in terms of giving you space. I mean, there there are two kinds. One sort of gives you space just to do your writing that you've already started. And another one is, is in terms of generating new writings and commissions. And I think both of those are just fantastic ways of developing because we develop the writing you know your talent brings you into rooms but also there is the social side you know and um you know sometimes there's a working class maybe black girl um or whatever you know there's lots to learn there's spiritual things to learn there's cultural things to learn um there's chances to you know do things better than the last time you were the only woman girl i don't know this you know disabled person in a room. So um, yeah, I think residences are really the way to go to really inject new life into your writing and also into yourself on on your journey.
0: Being able to be amongst other great minds that push you. And I felt the same way, like When I showed up the first day, I was like, I'm going to try something different because this is the space. And like you said, once I realized what my group was bringing, I said, hold on, let me really show up. Let me really tap into like and explore this. And I pray that Obsidian and many other spaces can continue to pour into Black writers that we have spaces that are funded for us because it's yeah. not easy to be able to afford and to make time as writing but that is what I'm calling in as my practice is to create a space that we can tell our stories that we can be able to share and be in community that we can teach and learn amongst each other because it's it's in our community and we've been like you know separated displaced, displaced or in exile in so many ways and like you said there's a yeah. healing that happens when we come together, when we remember our roots and we move forward. And thinking about that, um, you know, I want to know who are the poets that guide you back home.
1: It's an interesting question. Cause for me, I feel like I almost have like double roots when you ask me like my roots in terms of poetry. I think in terms of blackness, I also think in terms of just the literary journey. I know in terms of like my development as a writer, I know that some level of it has come from being just a black child. And growing up in the black church in England, you know, our parents came over here in the 50s, 60s, they started these churches, and we became a part of that. And maybe sometimes, you know, we spent time, a lot of time, you know, crayoning through the sermons. Um, But we learned so much. I mean, I feel like like, I love a good metaphor. I am one of those poets that, you know, when I write a poem, I love a, like a conceit where you really wear the metaphor at and look at all the angles of it. And I know some of that comes from the Bible. You know, uh, one of my favorite scriptures is um, St. John 15. You know, I am the true vine. Um, but there are lots of um, metaphors um, in the Bible. So part of that, and also the beautiful language in parts of the Bible, you know, and, and that's been interesting for me in terms of being a liberal kind of spiritual poet as well, because I, I think the spiritual aspect of my writing, I do like to try and write about God, but also I have very liberal ideas about gender, sexuality, being a survivor of abuse, um, you know, um, and so that's a challenge as well, um, knowing that actually some of, you know, some of what I write about, some of my ta- talent, I suppose, or ethos comes from that background, but also, um You know, I have some differences of I'm probably quite unusual in in terms of some of my liberal beliefs. And I know that sometimes when you say you're a, a Christian or spiritual poet as a black person, people make presumptions about what you might believe or what you might be about. So that's interesting. That's part of my journey where I have to exercise courage. And generosity, and 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 step forward and say, you know, no, that's not true. And you know, so if, if you maybe look at my first collection, you'll see there are poems in there that explore Christianity and sexuality. Um, in the same poem, there are poems about masturbation. You know, and 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 this is quite important. You know, in terms of coming from that background and you know, publishing your first book and your mother's really proud of your first book. But at the same time, you know, you're thinking, I know a lot of these people are gonna read this book and and maybe they won't agree with things in it. So that's part of the journey. So that's part of my poetic roots. But then also there's been a journey in terms of writers that have really led me into the the craft of things and and being able to express myself. One of the earliest writers um, for me that did that, I mean, I loved, you know, Keats and, and you know, oh, to Autumn and all those things that we learned at secondary school. But I think when I discovered Alice Walker, I mean, I just like literally bought every poetry book she owns. And I know she's a writer that's mostly associated with prose now because of The Color Purple, but actually she is a phenomenal poet. You know, I did go, come into writing through the, the female American kind of window. You know, her sort of... Um, you know, open kind of free verse style of poetry, um, as opposed to the kind of rhyme poetry that obviously we learned at school was really just revelation, you know, revelatory for me. What, you know, one of um, Alice Walker's poems um, is, 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 is my sort of, a, I don't know, it's almost the, um, my, my writing mission statement. Um, it's called The Nature of This Flower is to Bloom. And it's from her book, Revolutionary Petunias, rebellious, living against the elemental crush, a song of color blooming for deserving eyes, blooming gloriously for itself. And for me, you know, as a 17 year old, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is about being seen. You know, this is about expressing yourself. This is about sometimes not being able to be understood, but still at those moments blooming for yourself. Because when you write, when you express yourself, you're growing being able to accept that. And even the dedication to my first collection is dedicated to the young girl whose struggle, kindness, beauty, and grace are invisible to their gaze. I see you. So for me, um, that kind of black female American, you know, June Jordan, Sonia Sanchez, Jane Cortez, but also not just black female Americans, I discovered, like Sharon olds, other writers, um, Adrian Rich. These are writers that really, really influenced me. Right now, in terms of the writers that inspire me that are contemporary and living today. Well, I just have to bow down to Kai Miller like several times because he is just a phenomenal writer and he is Jamaican. And for me, I mean, you were talking also about roots and reconciling that with things. And for me, you know, I am a Jamaican born I mean I was born in England but of Jamaican heritage and um, you know I haven't always been comfortable necessarily using patois um, in my writing and so one of the things that I wanted to do in this collection was explore dialect and also explore my roots back in Jamaica and um, some of that has to be imagined because my grandparents all died when I was very young I never met my grandparents so writers like um, Kai Miller for me are just Nectar, Um, just, I mean, even when he reads the work, he loves the words, you can see he loves the words and it's just so inspiring to me. We have lots of um, other writers that inspire me, Raymond Antrobus, I love his journey with not just about being, you know, hearing disabled or or deaf, but dealing with being British and Jamaican, um, you know, dealing with those two culture, you know those two cultural divides um, you know you've got people like Marvin Thompson who is great with form he's um, moved to Wales and he's had children that live in Wales and he's talking about you know reconciling them to the Welsh culture so there are lots of um, inspiring writers you know that are around today and I, I have to say being a prose writer as well obviously Tony M like I don't even have to say the M we know who Tony M is, like bow down. Um, so there are lots of people that inspire me to sort of push forward and um, also reconcile me to their roots. Kwame Doors, um, I could go on, um Jay Bernard, you know, so many, so many.
0: We love the love, we love how other <laughs> can and, and influence us to tell our stories, right? And tell yeah. and, and find our voices because it's through that and and i'm sure you know they were inspired and all and we continue to inspire each other we continue to connect with our roots we continue to bloom for ourselves as you mentioned and one way to show um your light is by reading or sharing a poem that you have
1: okay so um this poem is um a a real um milestone on my journey because as i said one of the um things that i wanted to do um in the second collection was explore my roots and just feel confident about doing that um and so it was with great honor when, when PreLit accepted a peace of mind i was just like wow this is such a privilege and this poem um is a poem um imagining my mother back in maybe the 1950s or 60s imagining her future really and so i imagined her as a young woman um and what she might have been like before she came over to England. And this is a pre-Shotty and it's called Circles. It's a prose poem. The sun is melting, a disk of dark honey in a sky of white rum, crimson bleeding every which way, like the air around this house is itself a young woman, stood slightly proud from the road through this village, to Kingston and beyond. Pearl stands on the veranda she has just finished shining with well-trained hands, plunging the rag in a smooth russet polish, then circles, red circles, like waving goodbye to bygone times encrypted in its wood, and Fanny's fierce footsteps, or dangling from the rails to wave at the pioneer bus, The doorstep games of younger siblings, once the day's chores were done. Broke them one by one, galang boy, broke them two by two, galang boy, finger mash no cry. Pearl watches the horizon hide itself, behind dusk's many petticoats, non-committal, if it might emerge again tomorrow, to repeat its entreaty. There are other horizons beyond me, if you just pack your things and come. But how? Mummy and Daddy are getting old. Duty is a tether like the one that winches the old nanny goat. Pearl stands, one foot flat, the other mid-step, arrested in the act of folding up the chamois, looking up to see the sun, lower now, amber, glowing beyond all need for elbow grease all reasons not to chase the dream that there are other places a woman might call home than this eight-apartment house, its flourishing tomato vines, rampant callaloo, chochos, cocos, plantain, cassava, badus, grapefruit, and oranges offering themselves like lamps in the twilight above swollen green pumpkins. In the evening sky, A yellow-faced grass quit chirrups from its perch in the thicket, and Pearl thinks, even birds have lovers and urge to make their own nests. The grass quit's nest, green, globular, assembled from grass. Even the cloth that puts the polish on needs another to take some off again, to buff. All things must come to a point at which you call them done. And maybe this is the gist of the grassquit's dusk song. Pearl nods, takes the other tiny rag in her hand, folds it and tucks it beneath the moon of tinned polish, placed snugly with the other in the small enamel bucket.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing circles with us. Shout out to pre-lit. Shout out. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, shout out to the imagination. Shout out to being able to place yourself, um, in a home and be able to envision and the voice and the song. And uh, I loved it. I was just, like, I was okay, like, why, when you said this, I was just like, yes. Um, that's beautiful that you're able to tap in and in the circles, even in that kind of like ritual practice of moving and healing and how you're going to be able to, um, move with the birds, move with the trees. I think that's amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that with me.
1: You're
0: welcome. How are you on your way, Marie?
1: I am living my dreams. I am exploring different sides to me. I am pushing boundaries in terms of the things that I accept for myself you know I feel able to say yes to more things than ever before um so I'm braver about the commissions the challenges I accept I'm also being brave about the things that I say no to and um you know some of the repercussions that come from that um and I'm just going forwards. I mean, it's, it's, it is a work in progress. And, and we know that, you know, after these two years, you know, working on our mental health and, you know, um, maybe, you know, missing a meditation here and there. But, you know, sometimes we take a step back, but I'm happy to say my journey is onwards and upwards and overall forward. So, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm living my dreams and I'm living the dream, uh, which isn't perfect. But it's wonderful. It's a wonderful journey
0: to be on. I'm all here for you living your dreams. And may you continue to realize how beautiful your life is to connect, to write, to be present for those who couldn't say what you're saying for them. So continue doing this work. May you continue to be supported and funded in in collectives. And may our relationship and practice grow as we remember where we come from and as we continue to move forward with ease um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. sir. It's been wonderful. It's
0: been a pleasure. To all of our wonderful listeners, continue to live your dreams as well. Make your mistakes, learn, and love amongst another, and you'll be able to grow. Until next time, this is Issa Cosette. Y'all be blessed.